92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Welcome aboard, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Hook Rocks. This is Jay Scott. Hope everyone is relaxing in between the holidays, enjoying themselves. New Year's is coming up here a couple days away. Christmas is now a distant memory. And we have Mr. Chris Ricardo once again on the podcast. How you doing today, Chris? I'm doing all right. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We had Chris on... uh, Last time to discuss how cover bands impact a local original rock scene. He also did the intro for Kodiak. And now we have him back to discuss one of our favorite artists, and that is Butch Walker. Yes. The man, the yes. myth, the legend. Yes, he is a legend. <laughs> and, you know, it, I, there's that mem out there, or meme out there. I don't know how you pronounce it, what the correct pronunciation is. But it's out there that says there are two types of people in this world. Those that know Butch Walker and those that have not heard him yet or, or heard any of his music. Yeah. And yeah. Well, the thing is, is, is they, they really have. They just don't know it. Yeah, I mean, through I mean, people don't yeah. realize how much of a uh, I mean, in terms of popular music, whether it's Keith Urban, whether it's Pink, whether it's Fall Out Boy, whether it's Train, whether it's the Struts, he has had his hand in a lot of music that people listen to on the producing side, on the production side. But people don't realize is that he's got a solo career it completely kicks ass. It's awesome. Yeah. He's, uh, he's definitely someone, he, he's, the, he's the best thing you've, you've never known, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and even the, his, his original stuff is, uh, to me, it's just the coolest stuff out there. It really is. I, I had the, uh, the Spotify year end. What did you listen to the most thing come up? And if it wasn't because I'm doing a Weezer tribute band, it would have been Butch Walker because he came in second. But I know the only reason why Weezer won is because we're constantly reviewing the tunes and things like that. So I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. And Better Now, the cover cover of Post Malone's Better Now was my number one listen to Butch Walker track. Because I, I think I put it on one night and fell asleep and just had it on repeat. But anyway. <laughs> so did he, did he yeah. cover that song or did he produce it? 
No, he covered it. He, and he's done that um, a few times. He'll just kind of go in the studio and I think he literally does these things in a day. He'll play all the instruments, sing all the vocals and do all the production. He does it in 20, like a day, you know, like a work day. And then he puts these things out for fun. He did that with uh, Taylor Swift's You Belong to Me. And it's such a better version than Taylor Swift's version. And better now, I think, is better than than Post Malone's version, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go back. Let's start with the history of Butch, right? I mean, Butch Walker fans know the history of Butch Walker, but he came from Cartersville, Georgia. Um, him and his band back in the late 80s flew out to L.A., just like a lot of other bands back in that day, to find stardom, to find success, to get a record deal. And he was successful in doing that with the band South Gang. Outside, which was bite the bullet before they got to LA. Yes, yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> with, with a Y, with a Y, with a like, Y, bite, bite with a Y, the bullet. Um, That's what you had to do back in the days. You made things, uh, you know, put Z's on the end instead of S's and things like that. That was the yes, that was back in the eighties. Yes, that was fashionable. Good old days. Fashionable, but he talks mm-hmm. about that period. They had what one. I don't know if you call it a hit, but it was a hit maybe with fans of that genre. Um, sure, sure. And that was the song... Tainted Angel. Taint, Tainted Angel. He it's made, a way to sneak in tank into a song title. <laughs> that was... Yes, yes. Very good job, Butch. Good job. But he talks about that era, um, and he talks about him and his band South Gang coming along at the wrong time but also at the right time because they didn't really have a lot of recognizable success and what that meant to him and his career was it allowed him to not be pigeonholed like some of the other artists that did have recognizable success prior to him, you know, yeah. whether it's, yeah, that you, makes sense. you know, <laughs> you know, whether it's the Warrants, whether it's the great whites or whether it's any of those bands, mo- all those bands. Um, I mean, let's, let's use Tom Kiefer as an example. Cinderella was a great band yeah. in the eighties and they mm-hmm. got wrapped up into that hair metal hair band genre which I don't feel was correct for them because they're a blues-based rock band, a lot closer to like Aerosmith style than to a glam style. But because everybody else was doing it and the record companies needed to sell records, bands like Cinderella were forced to commit to what everybody else was doing, where the, you know, the, the teased hair, the, the, the glam look, the leather, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately a band like Cinderella got pigeonholed as a hair band when if you put them in any other era, if you put them in the 70s, if you put them, you know, if, if you listen to them without knowing what they look like, you would not put them in a hair band category be based on the music, right? A lot of those songs in, in another era would not be considered glam in terms of Cinderella. Now, if you want to talk about Warren, yeah. if you want to talk about Poison, if you want to talk about Sleazebees, all these other bands, you know, they're going to get... They're going to get pigeonholed into that, into that definition of, of of glam metal or hair metal or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. So, 
So when he talks about being pigeonholed like that, that's pretty much what he's referring to because Tom Kiefer, who now has a legitimate solo career with great music, two albums, has worked hard to get away from that label and has tried to do a lot of things um, in terms of the style of music that he plays and the image that the, the, the he has now with his band to get away from that hair metal tag that has, you know, defined him and others from that generation. And he's done a great job, and, it, and it's, it's been a, a hard work for him to do that. A lot of other people during that time frame have not been able to do that. And I mentioned, like, the Great Whites, or I mentioned, you know, some of the other bands that have, you know, like the Slaughters and stuff like that. They're still considered part of that element. Now, Butch... Yeah, yeah, Butch Butch and Tough Gang would have got rolled up into that mix. They would be in the same place. But like you said, I think they came into it just late enough to where the, the shift occurred and... They, they didn't get stuck, you know? Right, absolutely. I mean, when you when you talk about Butch Walker, maybe one out of five fans will mention South Gang, right? Um, right, right. You know, he was not a recognizable name or face during that period. So when South Gang broke up as a result of the shift in the industry, he was allowed to do a lot of different things that maybe – some of the other musicians during that era were not allowed to do, um, yeah. namely produce albums. And, you know, he had a couple of projects prior to his next big one, which was like, um, now did, did, well, let me ask you, did, did Floyd's Funk Revival come before Marvelous 3 or was it after Marvelous 3? It was before. It was okay. before the Floyd's and then before the Marvelous 3. So he had a couple projects that were really different than South Gang. Went back to Georgia, started working with his friend and his wife, and they started this band, Floyd's Funk Revival, or the, and then it later became the Floyds. Um, and then came Marvelous 3, which was incredible, right? I mean, I remember you and the guys that we lived with. I, you know, I used to live with a rock band, and you would come over and we all hang out, and you guys be listening to Marvelous Three. I didn't really connect with them back then, but you did. And what were your thoughts on Marvelous Three compared to South Gang? Um, you'd be, to be honest with you, South Gang for me was less, you know, less of an influence. I just I kind of heard of them and heard Tainted Angel, but I didn't really. I didn't really get into them that much because I think there's just so much out there at the time. It was pretty saturated with that type of music. And honestly, everything started sounding the same, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so it was like, kind of like, all right, I, I heard it. Okay, cool. That's a good song. But then when Marvelous 3 came out, um, it was just that you know, like punk pop or, you know, yeah, I guess you'd call it punk pop, but it's, it was more pop, but it was, it was power pop. That's what I guess what you'd call it, the power pop. And just like, so it had the like the, the balls of uh, like rock, but it was poppy. So it was very catchy. And I've always been about hook and a melody and, uh, and you know, you know, some, some good lyrics. And, uh, and they, they were kind of, you know, bringing it home for me. So it just really stuck. And then, 
you know, I think that was the Hey album that um, kind of caught on, and then went back and got Mass and other problems, and then found the Floyd stuff. You know, so I definitely went backwards before uh, before Ready Sex Go came out. Ready Sex Go is my favorite but from it, them. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, what do they call that? Uh, where you have to pick. What's the movie with the Macaulay Culkin, and you had to pick a kid that you're going to let fall off the cliff? <laughs> I, I've never seen that movie. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, there's a term for it. I, I can't think of what you have Sophie's to pick Choice or one. something like that? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Something mm. like that. But, uh, but yeah. So, uh, and then, yeah. So, I mean, it, it just really, really got me hooked. I went out and freaking bought a PRS guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I wrote for about a year sounded like Marvel Three, and yeah, so big influence still is. I mean, it's it's crazy, it's crazy. I think Butch and I ran some parallel lives and for for a little while, you know. Like now, uh, now you were at <laughs> you you went to Atlanta to to see the last Marvelous Three show. That is correct. We heard it was going to be the last one. I don't know how, because the internet was barely even a thing back then. We heard it was happening. We made the road trip from Chicago down to uh, down to Atlanta at uh, what Millennium Park or something like that, that or by Centennial Centennial Park, I think it was. This is where the where they had the bombing back in the in the eighties. So yeah, went down there for the last show. Got a recording of it. <laughs> not not at the time, but I um, subsequently got a recording of it. So yeah, a little bit of a I don't know, a fanboy, I guess you'd call it. You know, hung out at the bars afterwards and ran into Butch and met him a few times since then and stuff like that. So yeah, fanboy. Now they broke up because of the record company, right? Yeah, that's my understanding is there was no, no, um, no support. Um, and they, they figured that, um, some, somehow Butch got him out of the deal. This is what my understanding is, is he went in and said, well, if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna do this for us, uh, we're going to break up and get us out of the deal somehow. And that's what happened. So he really got lucky by being able to do that. Cause I guess the record company just really didn't care at that point. That's amazing, too, because, I mean, when you think about music back in the 90s with, you know, especially the late 90s, I mean, obviously the grunge movement was was taking place, but it almost like they were a few years before that that power punk or that pop punk era of music. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, sure. I mean, it, and it was like, again, they were they were a little bit ahead of their time, because if you listen mm-hmm. to those albums, especially the Hey album and Ready, Sex, Go!, like you, you scratch your head and like these. This should have been gigantic back then. Gigantic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, like yeah. Ready Sex Go is kind of a perfect, a perfect album, you know, start to finish. Yeah, I mean, it's got the four songs that start with Little Head and um, as a Get Over, and then it goes Grant, into Grant Park, Grant Park, and and, yeah. and you know, Radio Tokyo's on there, and Cigarette Lighter. Love song. It, it's it is pretty much a perfect album for anyone that yeah. is looking to buy an album just based on two people talking about it. Go get Marvelous Three, Ready, Sex, Go. I guarantee you won't yeah. be disappointed. 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, a lot of that stuff was in, again. You know, he went from being at the tail end of a huge, successful era of music. You know, in terms of rock and glam, to kind of a little too early. The forefront. The forefront. The, the forefront yeah. of, the, of the power pop stuff. Because after after those guys, then came you know Bowling for Soup and Lick and Avril Lavigne, which he worked. He he produced and wrote with all those people after the Marvelous Three. People people got wind that he was um, engineering, writing, and producing this stuff. SR seventy one and things like that. And they said, "Well, you you must be the guy." That we weren't working on this record, so he just he wound up starting to work for one of those guys and made a name for himself, kind of without trying. You know, I think mm-hmm. just word got around that he was the dude to do it with, and everybody started hiring him. Wasn't it his first soul album that really kind of pushed the door open for him in terms of producing? His first solo album, hmm, I think no, it was. Um, I'm pretty sure it was um, um, the Marvelous Three single off of uh, off of the Hey album because Freak of the Week. Okay, yeah, Freak of the Freak Week. Freak of the Week because he he wrote, produced, and he did this like in their in his mom and dad's like antique shop behind the house on a eight track um, cassette record, an ADAT machine, which is like prehistoric for these days. Did all this stuff on a cassette. And it made it on the radio. <laughs> I mean, it was it was that good. It made it on the radio. I mean, they I think they turned around and redid it. But I think the initial the initial thing was that song. That's what kind of blew them up. And from what I understood, they wrote all these tunes. Um, and you know, he was letting the the rest of the band listen to it. And Jace, the bass player, he was like, "This is the song." And Butch was like, "No, what are you talking about? This isn't this isn't a hit." And Jace was like, "This is the song, man." And they put that one out, and it blew them up. That one song that they did in their little, you know, antique shop. So amazing! They did it all themselves. Yeah, crazy. So then we, you know, he goes from Marvelous Three to start producing stuff, like you mentioned, and then he starts his solo records. His first solo album is is more or less a continuation of Marvelous Three. I mean, if you want to, you know, the, the style of music. And the and the way the songs are structured and and played, you could consider that you know the fourth Marvelous Three album. Yeah, it, it almost seemed like it was either stuff they didn't think would fit, um, you know, songwriting style wise on a Marvelous Three album, or, or you know stuff that was left over that uh, was wasn't finished or something. I'm just you know assuming that's what it was, but it was still kind of going down the same path with a little bit of a turn, you know, mm-hmm. started changing a little bit, which was getting into more of the singer songwriter style a little bit on that one. So then you go from the, from left to self center, which is his debut to the album letters, which you really do see the evolution of him as an artist. And I think it's a gradual progression before that from tainted angel and then you see the Floyds kind of do something different, and then you see the Marvelous Three, then you see his first solo album, and then he takes a huge turn, as you mentioned, and with letters, with Best Thing You Never Had, Maybe It's Just Me, all these great songs. Joan. Oh, Joan. Isn't Joan's Joan on there? If, 
Yeah. Um, isn't if on 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 left is self centered? That could be. That could be. But the evolution of Butch really is striking with that album. I still listen to it this day. I know he's played yeah. less and less from this album as his growth as an artist has continued. But there are so many, so many great songs that he wrote and recorded for this album. Yeah, and then go go out on tour with Admiral Levine and get your a couple of your tunes in some very popular movies, and I just think stuff really, really took off for him. Yeah, he was one of the first ones to really start doing that. You know, when I think of you know TV shows or movie soundtracks, you know, you see you, know, you hear Butch Walker in a lot in, in a few movies around that period of time. You, know, you also hear a lot of other singer songwriters. One that comes to mind is Pete Yorn that did a lot of that as well. And, you know, that was really the way to get music out at that time. It still is, but that was a new, new Avenue for artists to get more of an audience. Yeah. Yeah. And then he had, didn't he, didn't he work with um, Pete Yorn too? He did work with Pete Yorn on the track alive on the nightcrawler album. And a great track off that album. It's third. It's the third album by Pete Yorn. Did a great job. Love that song. I don't know if he's done anything else with him. He may have, but um, I know as it's in terms of him being credited for, you know, working with Pete Yorn. That's the one off a of Nightcrawler. Gotcha. Okay. So then we move from letters. We move to the Let's Go Out Tonight's album. Yeah, <laughs> which was another change in you know his style. Um, again, always evolving. You know, from album to album. To me, when this album came out, I don't know if it was as strong as he would have liked it to be. I will say though that the album has gotten better over time. Uh, yeah, I, yeah I, 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 I have enjoyed this album more as I've you know, gotten older and really appreciated what he was doing. Yeah. And there, there's, there's some good ones on there, man. There really is. Um, it, it was, it was different. And I think, and that's just the beauty of Butch is he can, he does different stuff on just about every album and he can do different stuff on every album. Cause he's not tied. He's, Cause he's not such a big name where people will, you know, freak out at you know stuff different than the last album. But he's got it. He's he's got it good. You know, that's one of the things that he's mentioned too. I know people have commented on his social media pages, like you know, why don't you play more of your hits live? And his his response has been hits. What hits? You know, he's like I, I <laughs> you know, he's like I don't really have any hits, so I'm pretty much free to play whatever I want to play, which I think is great yeah. for the audience who is a fan of Butch and his music because, you know, you may not hear what you want at one show, but see him enough times and you will eventually hear something that you didn't hear before. Yeah, and never, never puts on a bad show. I don't know how many times I've seen him and half of those times was probably with you, you know, and I've never seen a show that was a disappointment. Even just the acoustic solo stuff you know it's always it's always awesome yeah and that's what leads us to our next album which is where I finally connected with Butch 
where I finally found Butch as an artist, and that was on the Sycamore Meadows album. Um, yeah. I was going through a divorce, or just gotten divorced, and you had an extra ticket to see him at the House of Blues in Chicago. And, of course, I had known of Butch because of you and because of my past roommates, and I've been exposed to him a little bit, you know, with Marvelous 3. But I really wasn't the fan I am today until I walked in the House of Blues. He started playing the piano with, you know, he played Joan. He played Past Your Place. Trying to think what else he did on the piano. He did three songs, and then he did Going Back, Going Home. And going through that period of time in my life where there was a lot of uncertainty, you know, how I was going to become a single dad and, and all the stuff that attributes to it, and I talk a lot about that in some previous episodes, um, I really connected with that album because there were songs on that album like Vessels. There were... Um, uh, Here Comes the Heartache. Vessels and Here Comes the Heartache, and yeah. which really connected with me on so many levels during that period of time, and I just got sucked in the butch after that. I mean, I went and yeah. bought everything that you know he had or had made, and I just dove right in, and he's been... Outside of Led Zeppelin, he's been my favorite artist ever since. Yep, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you right there. <laughs> it really, I mean, you know, we I always love that connection you find with an artist who maybe isn't you know going through what you're going through at that time, but is writing stuff about what you're going through, and there's this immediate yeah. connection to what it is and what you know what is. Um, what's going on in your life and for a good decade everything that he put out was like just connecting with me on so many different levels and that's why there's a very personal connection with butch and i and i wonder i wonder how he does that because he'll write a lot of tunes about you know breaking up and heartache and um you know losing the love of your life and you know you know just stuff like that and it's guy's been married for i don't know how long and has a kid you know it's like where's he getting this material <laughs> but i i actually like you know i go down the rabbit hole on youtube and watch all this all these uh interviews with him and stuff like that and i guess he said you know he'll he'll, he'll just look for a story you know around he'll look around and see like a guy on the train with a bag or something like that and he wonders what's in the bag and he said, where's he going home to? Is he going home to his family or is he, did he just lose somebody and he makes up these stories about him and that's, that's where he comes up with these songs and it's like, man, what a, what a genius, you know? I mean, I know that's how songwriters do it but you'd never know if the stuff wasn't about himself or if it, if it was, he, uh, he kind of covers it up really well, you know, changes the aspect of it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, when you when I read his lyrics, and you know you're going through like you know when you hear vessels, you know you take the bed, I'll take the floor. Um, it's like wow, like <laughs> been there, you know, and yeah, and it's just it's very it's very. I don't want to say the I don't think the word strange, but it's it's very. Um, awesome how you can connect with that with someone who's writing basically what you're going through and that really you know Butch has been that was in my early 30s 
when that happened, and I, you know, I haven't put them down since. Yeah, the next album was I Liked You Better When You Had No Heart, which continued on with incredible songwriting and, and also more evolution. You know, when you listen to this one, I Liked You Better When You Had No Heart, there was a lot more folksy country rock, um, a lot more bluegrass in his music. And, yeah, you know, yeah, I think that's when he was in Nashville working with a bunch of uh, yeah. <laughs> a bunch of country artists. You know, I mean, it still had it still had. Still, its, I, it, I really like it. Yeah, I really like it. I mean, you had she likes yeah. hair bands, which is a great song. Pretty yeah, melody. Trash days on there. Trash days, a great great song. And then, mm-hmm. um, don't you? Uh, what's the one that um, with the guys from uh, Shovels and Rope? Um, Oh, don't you think someone should take you home? Yeah, that's yes. a great one. Yeah, yeah. That, that that turned me on to Michael Spence, and then subsequently uh, Shovels and Rope, which came from the films which toured with Butch, who he stole their bass player. You know, there's such <laughs> there's so much intermingling of these things. You know, right? Yeah, there's that was well, that was uh, right, right. That was the tour with. He, he, um, he took, with uh, Sycamore Meadows, when he had the the the, the was it the films? The films opening, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that, it's crazy how stuff works out. Yeah, and it, he was really kind of rolling along there too. I mean, you had Sycamore Meadows, and you liked it. I liked you better when you had no heart. And then he had the Spade, which was another great album, which was very uniquely recorded in almost like it was like a single tape. Or you know, like like a movie has like a single camera, you know, where it keeps recording the scene from one camera angle yeah. or one camera, and it almost like there's points yeah. in that in that in that album where the tape just keeps rolling or what it seems to be, you know, rolling, and it just ends up seamlessly going from song to song, which was another, you know, unique style of of recording. And again, more evolution. This had more of a rockabilly type. Feel to it, yeah. Um, and he had a band. He had he had he got a band together yep. of all his like favorite dudes, you know. The Black Widows, was, which was, was a great different. Band. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just Butch doing half the stuff himself or hiring studio musicians. They they got a band together, and I guess they they played all that stuff live in a little club. Uh, like in Santa Monica or something like that, they get together and set up. You know, they didn't have roadies and sound guys and all. They just go into this little this little basement pub and set up their shitty little PA every Monday night and rock out and just get these songs down. And just people would show up and you know, I think they did a bunch of the recording there and mixed it in with the studio stuff because I think a lot of that crowd noise and people laughing and talking and yelling and stuff, I think it's from that, those shows. I'm not sure, but I'm just kind of, you know, putting pieces together in my own head, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, you had just a great, just great energy on that album. I mean, that, and, and, and he captured something. He captured magic with the Black Widows. I, I think... Obviously, yeah. Sycamore Meadows really connected with me. I liked you better when when you had no heart was is a great seeing seeing the evolution of the artist and more great songwriting and get more connection. But I think the spade was where it all like came together with who he was recording with at the time, um, and it just it just I mean, 
I took my, was it this tour or the tour before? I, I took my son to his first concert. I think it was on the, like, I liked you better when you had no heart because that was in Kentucky. My son was five. And it was an all-ages show, and we decided to oh, make you. a run. Make, what's that? <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just telling, you know, for the, for the audience sake, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I took my son to, the, to his first concert, five years old, all-ages show in Kentucky with the band Loxley opening up. Um, and he had an absolute Loxley blast. Was great. Loxley was another great band yeah. that, that he had tour with them too. Great. Yeah. Um, but I, I really think with the spade, it really just the energy all came together with what they were playing on stage because it was the same band from that tour. on I liked you better when you had no heart that was on the spade tour or the spade yeah. album. Yeah. And it, it just was, it was magic. Yeah, it really was. And the, 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 the musicianship in that band, everybody was amazing and they all had personalities. It was a great band. I'm, I'd love to see them get back together again, but who knows, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't expect, I never expect anything from Butch because he's always, you know, zigging when you think he's going to be zagging. Yes, yes. And then, well, he took a bit of a break after the spade too, right? And then, um, his next follow-up. Yeah, that's when his dad, dad died and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. He's dealing with that, probably producing producing Panic at the Disco and Weezer and Fallout Boy and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. He was hard at work with Jake Sinclair at the time, doing a lot of different yeah. things. I know his father passed, which he was very open about, too, which um, he's gone on now to start. I think his father died of pancreatic cancer, complications from pancreatic cancer. And he has started his charity, which he does shows for once or twice a year that you've gone out to as well, out in, yeah. was it Topanga Canyon or Topanga. something like that? Yeah. Yeah, Topanga, um, yeah. And uh, he does a lot of work. What's the what's the name of his foundation again? Um, the, um, Autumn Leaves. Yes, Autumn Leaves. Um, and I think he did that EP in between a few good songs that were on there, like five or six, and it was kind of like a lot of it was just kind of, you know, getting out the blues that, you know, the death of his father had and, and the, and the, you know, wanted to have that outlet that a lot of creative people need when uh, something that like was, I guess Peachtree Battle. Peachtree yeah. Battle, yes, okay. yes. Yeah. And, you know, again, it was, it was about just getting, you know, some music out and having that outlet for him after the loss of his father, who, you know, he talks about all the time, you know, took him to his first concert, which was a Kiss concert. Yeah. Um, he yeah. always, you know, he tells the story about the guy spilling the drink on his dad's leather jacket and all that. And so, you know, it always, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, it always sounded like his parents were pretty supportive of his career path and his journey, which, you know, is, you know, as, as someone who, you know, understands that understands the support that, you know, when your parents support you doing something, it's, it's. It makes your life so much easier, but it sounds like his mother and father were always, you know, maybe not happy about his choices, but definitely supported his choices, which is which is yeah, great. Yeah, um, yeah, they, and they they seem very close too, you know. Yeah, yeah. So then he went to Afraid of Ghosts, which was the Ryan Adams produced album. With, um, you know, the title track on there. It had Chrissy Hine yeah. on there as well. Chrissy Hine. Um, and bed on fire. Bed on fire, which Father's is great. Day. Yes. <laughs> um, that was 
a very, very deep record for him. That was that must have been a hard album to record because of a lot of it was after his you know, written after his father had passed. He was he gave up, you know, producing the album to Ryan Adams. It was a very different you know stylistically again more evolution from the artist. Just a great album. Yeah, yeah, it was um, definitely dark, definitely a dark. Even that that was the the period of his live shows where you could you could tell he was uh, really affected by the loss of his father. It was the shows were very somber and almost sad. You know, they weren't as rocking and upbeat as they typically were, but uh, still, still great, just the same. And you know, you wound up, you know kind of going back to his old ways after that anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the last time I saw him uh, was when you didn't make it. You were out of town, and he did the um, the Tom Petty medley with... Um, yeah, yeah, I yeah, missed that one. Just a great show. Um, but then, you know, after, after Afraid of Ghosts came Stay Gold, which I thought was another great record, too, as well. Um, more of a... Of a you know, a rock type of feel to it, more of a petty type of feel to the record. Definitely. Um, one of my favorite songs um, that he's ever recorded is the song Descending, which I love. It's the duet with... Um, um, Ashley Monroe. Ashley Monroe was on that one. Yeah, she did a wonderful job with that song. There was the the title track "Stay Gold." A lot of there's a lot of Wilder in the Heart, Wild, East Coast Girl, yeah, I mean, yeah. Record of, Store, yes, Rec yes. I mean, just great albums. A lot of Springsteen esque, Petty esque type 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 album, you know, type songs. Yeah, but it was just um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't say yeah, it didn't it didn't do it it didn't do it for me at first, but now I listen to it all the time. I'm like because every every album different. I mean, even the Let's Go Out, I'm like, what is this? You yeah. <laughs> just like such weird well not I want to say weird but production and you know but then after you know now there's songs on there I, I got to hear all the time you know yeah I mean so, he, when 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 I hear Butch Butch you know instantly connects with me and I know he has a double album coming out I think in February which I'm really excited yeah, to yeah. see. I'm, I mean, is it February? I haven't I haven't heard a date yet. Yeah, but, uh, that would be awesome. The the I was having this conversation with Crash Crafton the other day, who's been on the show, and Richie Kotzen and Butch Walker both have albums coming out in February, and they are both nice. double albums. Nice. So you may not you may not see or talk to me in the month of February because I'm just going to be yeah absorbing two. Goliath albums. Yeah. You know, uh, well, if you think about it, man, it's been, it's been, Stay Gold came out in 16. Yeah. So it's been like, it's going on four years since we've had anything new that is a real album and not, you know, some, the Christmas album, which is awesome, you know, which late December right now, I just got finished of uh, three weeks listening to Butch's Christmas album every day. <laughs> and uh, some with the, the the demo on that he, that he released so um, none of that counts it's great to have and be able to listen to but um, and I know he's been busy with I think he just finished up uh, Weezer's new album that's not out yet and Green Day's new album so man talk about getting your hands 
uh, in everything that's going to be coming out and that everybody's going to be hearing. Got a good life, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm, to be butch. <laughs> it does. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, just what his music has meant to me on a personal level. Um, what has it meant to you? Wow. What has it meant to me? It, it's, um, you know, I really feel like um, Butch and I were born like five days apart. So we're both, both November of 69. And like I was on the same path as him. I just think he started a little earlier. He says, you know, his parents took him to that Kiss concert when he was eight. And he, you know, wanted to switch to guitar from playing drums which I didn't know until recently. So he was already playing at eight years old. I was still playing with GI Joes and star Wars figures. You know, he was already into music and, uh, but I started playing and, um, you know, got into original bands and toured a bit and we're trying to get signed. And, uh, you know, where he was just really balls deep in the, in the industry and, writing and playing and working hard, working really hard. I think he had blinders on, you know, trying to get himself to that point where I was a little more lackadaisical and like, uh, you know, just maybe not as serious and didn't know if it was going to be something I was going to do where he knew, you know, so it's, it's almost like a life lesson. You know, the guy wrote a book and has had a movie on him and things like that. And I read these things and watch these things and I say to myself, if I just would have worked harder, I could have been just like Butch, you know. So, so this is it's just so so relatable. To yeah, that. and 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 um, you know, and even even like now, it's like you know, just just hearing some of the songs and getting the inspiration um, from them, musically or just life lessons, you know. Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, when you listen to his lyrics, or when I listen to his lyrics, there's that connection to you know what's going on in my life or whatever. And um, not too many artists really do that for me, um, and that's why I appreciate him so much. And what I really also appreciate too, because we've seen him live so many times. Whether we've gone to Kentucky to see him, we've gone to Indiana to see him, Wisconsin, wherever. Um, I always admire how passionate he looks up there and how he looks like he, this is the first gig he's ever playing or it's the last yeah. gig he's going to play. You know, it's just like he, you, you just have, he just has an energy about him. He gets the crowd into um, the music. I mean, if you've never been to a butch show, I highly recommend it. It's a great time. There's a lot of sing along uh, back and forth with butch as the show progresses, you never know what he's going to do. You never know what he's going to, you know, perform. He has such a great catalog, an unknown catalog to the casual music fan, but a great catalog to the Butch Walker fans uh, and society. Um, his music is is really like personal to a lot of his fan base, and I I, I don't know if that you know, still occurs these days with the new music that's coming out. I'm sure it does to a certain yeah. extent to, to, to people unbeknownst to me, but it's just, yeah, he's probably going to tour next year. My suggestion is go see him. Don't even worry about listening to his stuff before you go see him. Just yeah. go see him. And, yeah. and I guarantee you'll have just a wonderful time. The other, the other thing that I really appreciate too 
is that he works on so many different projects with so many different artists and you, and he just has enthusiasm for all of it. He, 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 it's almost like he pours his heart into everything all the time and he's excited about it all the time. And then when he works on his own stuff, he just, he just, he's just euphoric when it comes to talking about it and playing it. Yeah. It's, it's so funny because we just went out at the, uh, the, the Talpanga thing for autumn leaves in uh, November. And so they had all these musicians out there. Um, Jacob Dillon. Um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but the, the singer from um, better than Ezra, who I guess those guys are buddies and he just finished his, finished his, uh, finished producing his album. Um, who else? Andrew McMahon from Andrew McMahon in the wilderness was out there. Uh, Paris, um, Jackson, who, believe it or not, they did a song together for a movie soundtrack. Um, and the songs are really good. I don't know if you've heard it yet. Let me see if I can find it. It is called, it's, um, running, running for so long. Let me see. Um, trying to, trying to find out who, who did it with them. It's a couple people. Sorry. All right. Parker Ainsworth, Butch Walker, Paris Jackson, and I can't see the last person. But it's a great tune. Butch isn't singing on it. I'm guessing he's playing the cop because it sounds like his style. And it's a super cool tune. But um, So anyway, the point, back to the point. All these people um, are there and they're all playing, you know, it's kind of like Butch Walker and friends and they're raising money from uh, for, for the foundation and everybody goes on everybody's really good and then butch comes on and just blows them all away with his live show and that was the thing that was uh you know the that was the most surprising part because the, the energy and the enthusiasm he put into everything was just uh just far above and beyond what everybody else was doing another thing too about butch too as well is that his book drinking with strangers is a must read for all music fans. There is a story. Yeah. There's a story in there about him, Tommy Lee and a helicopter ride. That is really <laughs> enjoyable. Right. That's right. That's yeah. hilarious. So go get the book and read yeah. that. Cause it's, it's, it's an awesome story. Um, I know he's got, he's got some stuff in there about Nikki six or maybe in interviews. He's talked about his relationship with Nikki six. He's got, you know, he, he did some producing on the Tommy Lee solo album as well. So he's got a connection there with Motley Crue. But, uh, you know, he's got a, he's got his hands in pretty much a lot of things that people really don't realize. And he's just a great artist, a great producer, a great performer. I can't say enough about Butch Walker. I highly recommend his music. Go on. I mean, if I were to start with a record to recommend I would start out with the spade or I would start out with Sycamore Meadows. Those those would be my two recommendations. Yeah. Right. Those would be my two. And then uh you know pick and choose whatever you want to do. I would actually and I would actually also pick up one of those Marvelous Three albums too as well. Yeah, I I I'm I would agree with that. Well cool man. This has been fun. Uh always great to talk about Butch. Always great to talk to you. An and artist, you as well, sir. Yes, an, an artist that we hope, you know, more people listen to, more people absorb his music, and that's Butch Walker. Thanks again, Chris, for being on the show. I appreciate it. You got it. Thank you. 
Once again, everybody, it is Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Have a happy and safe holiday season, and we will chat again soon. Thank you. of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. And now another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. Marcus, what happened? I was changing my oil and I spilled some on the floor. Oh, we'll use these $50 bills to wipe it up. Perfect. Got any more? Yeah, yeah, take a couple hundred. Stop. Instead of using money, use an old rag. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.